Welcome to Wholesale Change, the webcast and podcast from Distribution Strategy Group, where we offer thought leadership for wholesale change agents like you. Because if you're on this show, you probably are a wholesale change agent. My name is Ian Heller. I'll be your co-host today along with my very tall, very brilliant partner, the doctor of distribution, Jonathan Bine, PhD. Jonathan, how are you today, my friend? And Ian, and Ian today keeps the doctor away. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's actually an insult when it's put that way. Well, no. Because, yeah. Because it's, it's curative. You don't need the doctor if Ian is there. <laughs> I thought you meant Ian a day keeps Dr. Bine away. Oh, okay. No, I didn't mean it that way. Okay. All right. Well, before we get started, we have a wonderful guest today, but before we get started, we have to thank our marvelous sponsors because without them, this show would literally not be possible. So today's episode of Wholesale Change is brought to you by Epicor. Are you finally ready to integrate all your business functions with an enterprise resource planning ERP system? Or maybe you're struggling with legacy computer systems that just aren't cutting it anymore. Your IT costs seem never ending. Your servers are at the end of their lifespan. Your systems don't talk to each other and you can't get decent reporting to make informed business decisions. Does that sound like you? At Epicor, they get you and your unique distribution challenges. Epicor has been around for 50 years. Their ERP solutions were designed with distributors for distributors like you. Epicor for distribution goes beyond standard ERPs to provide innovative, highly focused solutions that are made for and essential to your business. Learn more about how Epicor has helped thousands of wholesalers succeed by visiting epicor.com slash distribution. So thank you, Epicor, for once again supporting the Wholesale Chain Show. Our other sponsor today is Optimizely. Optimizely is on a mission to help people unlock their digital potential. With their leading digital experience e-commerce platform, they equip teams with the tools and insights they need to create and optimize in new and novel ways. Now, companies can operate with data-driven confidence to create hyper-personalized experiences. Building sophisticated solutions has never been simpler. Optimizely's 900-plus partners and 1,100-plus employees and offices around the globe are proud to help more than 9,000 brands, including Meyer, Mayer Electric Van Meter and Shadler Yesco, enrich their customer lifetime value, increase revenue, and grow their brands. Learn more at Optimizely.com. Thank you, Optimizely. We've recommended them into a number of customers. Now, it's my honor to welcome our special guest of the day. He's the CEO of the National Association of Wholesaler Distributors, Mr. Eric Hoplin. Eric, how are you today? And thank you for coming. Ian, I am fantastic. Uh, it's a great day when you can hang out with, with the two of you, some of the, the best minds in, in distribution. So really glad to be here. Well, I, I appreciate you saying it's a great day to hang out with us, but we're the ones who are honored to have you on our show. Um, and uh, I have your... For the podcast listeners, I have your slide up, the slide up about you that talks about your education and some of your career highlights, uh, but it doesn't really go beyond your time at the NAW, and you got there fairly recently. Do you want to kind of walk us through your, you know, your story from your educational background through your career? Oh, sure. Um, you know, I, I, I'm really focused on, on two things. And, and what, uh, what, you know, give a sense of my career. If, if you were to look back at my career, you might think uh, it looks a bit schizophrenic. I, I've spent time in politics. I've spent time in national security, in, in banking and financial services, and, and now uh, wholesale distribution. Uh, but uh, the, the two common threads that, that pull through all of them is, is one, the, the thing that I think I was put on this planet to do is, is to take a, a set of ideas, 
build a strategy uh, to go achieve those ideas, uh, and then uh, marshal together uh, people, companies, organizations uh, you know, to come together and mobilize them to, to go make that thing happen. Uh, and so I've, I've done that throughout my, my career. Uh, and then the other part of it is I've always been focused on, on some of the big things that are happening in, in the nation. I, I want to be in the middle of the scrum uh, trying to try, try to make things happen. And so you, you think back about my, my, my time in politics is I, I cared about the issues and, uh, and, and the, the direction of the country. And so I would marshal uh, you know, voters and grassroots volunteers and donors to, to help candidates. Uh, when I got into to national security, uh, as you mentioned on the slide there, I have an MBA and, and also a, a master's degree in, in international relations. That was after 9-11. Uh, I wanted to find a way to, to give back to the country uh, after uh, after those devastating attacks, and 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 so I, I went into uh, uh, Booz Allen Hamilton, which is a, a great consulting firm, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was I was actually on the wargaming team, uh, and so it, it was really neat because I spent time uh, at, at the Pentagon, uh, CIA, and other places where uh, oftentimes the government is siloed, um, and so my my role was to uh, to bring all the, the leaders across different parts of government and figure out how can we come together, bring all those resources to make big things happen. I did something similar uh, in the financial services industry after the 2008 financial crisis. Uh, capitalism was on its back, uh, and they needed uh, help finding uh, finding the way the way forward. And so I was part of a trade association, a leadership team there, uh, working with the CEOs of the largest financial services firm. And, uh, and then the pandemic hit. Uh, and, uh, and, and here uh, on the lips of, of every American was the word distribution, as they were talking about distributing uh, the vaccine. And, and, and everyone was talking about the supply chain uh, as there were challenges getting basic goods at, at, at grocery stores. And, uh, and so I, I came in at, at an opportune moment here to, to use those same skills and experience, hopefully, uh, to, to uh, set the distribution industry uh, up for success long into the future. So that's, that, that, that's the, the, the quick uh, and, and easy overview of, of my career uh, to date. Yeah, and when we were at the NAW meeting recently with you, and thank you for including us, uh, we had a tour of the Washington Monument and heard a little bit about what you're doing for the National Mall. Uh, so for, in just a minute or so, can you sort of sum up the, the work that you're doing there? Because it's really important and uh, it's, it's, it's national, even though it's in D.C. Well, hopefully most folks know that uh, in uh, the 250th anniversary of the country is coming up in, in 2026, uh, I have the honor of being on the board of, of a group that's called the Trust for the National Mall. And we have about 33 million people that come and visit what we call America's front yard every year. And as we get ready for the 250th anniversary, there's so many projects uh, that, that we're doing to make sure that uh, we're ready uh, to, to celebrate uh, that important milestone. And there, there's a lot of them on the mall that, uh, that reminds us of, of our shared history, uh, that, that reminds us of, of the great moments and the great movements, uh, things that have happened on that mall as, as the country constantly strives to become a, a more perfect union. Uh, so in the next couple of years, you might see some construction happening at, uh, at various places as, as we make sure we get it all, all ready for the big birthday party coming up in 2026. It's fantastic. And the amount of work you guys are doing and the fundraising is really impressive. So uh, thank you for doing that on behalf of our country. No, it's, good. It's, it's a privilege and an honor, that's for sure. Well, it was, it was special to go to the National Monument with you. We really, really appreciated that experience. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, Eric, um, you uh, followed uh, Dirk Van Dongen into the NAW. He'd been there for a long, long time. And you have your own ideas and energy that you're bringing to the organization. Uh, maybe tell us a little bit about the mission of the NAW, uh, this you know, place among associations uh, that serve the distribution industry, what it's done historically, and where you want to take it. 
Oh, th thanks, Ian, for that that question. Uh, I was really honored uh, to uh, succeed Dirk, who had been been in the role for for 41 years. And you know, NAW is considered one of the premier trade associations in the, in the nation. You know, we have the honor of representing uh, distribution companies across all lines of trade, uh, and, and our members account uh, overall for about one third of the American economy. Uh, so we play a, a really important role. We have membership uh, in, in two ways. One is companies can directly be members uh, of the organization, but also, as, as you referenced, Ian, uh, there are a number of trade associations focused in, in the various uh, lines of trade uh, throughout distribution. They are our members as well. And so as a result, we serve kind of as an umbrella organization uh, to, to be able to take a look at, at all things related to distribution. Uh, our, our goal is is really simple. Our, our mission is, is this, uh, is we want to help uh, distribution companies, the most innovative and forward-looking in, in the nation, we want to help them succeed. Uh, and, and to do that, we do a number of things. Uh, first is most of our companies, uh, they, they don't care all about politics. You know, they want to put their heads down and, and run their businesses and serve their customers. And so we, we, we protect them in Washington. There's a lot of people here who don't really understand uh, how business works and, and how maybe a good idea uh, thought up in, in, uh, in the corridors of power really has maybe negative consequences uh, for, for employees and economic productivity. And so we, we help tell that story uh, and, and hopefully guide rules and regulations and laws in, in a positive way so the industry can continue to thrive. Uh, but beyond that, uh, we, we focus a lot on thought leadership. You know, Ian, working with uh, with you and Jonathan and, and, and others, uh, we bring to our members uh, some of the big ideas of where is the, the future of, uh, of this industry headed uh, and, and how can people incorporate uh, many of those ideas at, at, at the companies they're, they're, they're running and leading. And, and we do that in a variety of ways. We've got uh, some you know, fantastic events, we've got uh, great uh, networking programs uh, and, uh, and a variety of working groups that dive in uh, to, to specific issues. Uh, we are about to launch uh, what we're calling our, uh, our digital warehouse, uh, where uh, our members are going to have access uh, to, to the best information, the best data, the best research, the best videos, the best webinars, everything uh, that are going to tackle some of the primary challenges uh, that they're facing as, as they're running their business. But, but the other thing we're doing that, that I think is, is special and unique among a trade association is we have the ability uh, to harness the power of an industry when it comes together. Uh, and, and there's a number of ways uh, that, uh, that we're doing that through specific benchmarking studies uh, that allow uh, companies to think about how are they best investing uh, their resources. Uh, we've got uh, a number of uh, our companies are, are, are plagued by cybersecurity challenges. Uh, and so bringing together the, the CIOs and others that are, are sharing threat intelligence and, and great information, we've got companies that are, are looking to uh, share uh, some of their operations capacity. Somebody might have uh, some extra warehouse capacity. Someone needs more. Uh, so bringing them together uh, to uh, in, in a non-competitive way to, to be able to help each other. So there's a variety of ways, uh, Ian, that, uh, that NAW is uh, bringing the industry together to do things that companies uh, just can't do on their own. And, and it, it's best done uh, together as an industry. We do that through NAW. Yeah, I think one of the best examples and the one that is one of the many services that I hear good feedback about uh, are the roundtables. And, you know, if you're running a billion dollar company in distribution, you can sit around the table with other CEOs that run billion dollar companies <laughs> and you have a unique set of shared experiences that nobody else can really appreciate, right? And they they rave about the the what they learn from those experiences. I'm sure you've heard the same thing. Oh, and absolutely. In fact, in fact, oh, go ahead, Jonathan, I'm sorry. But also, I mean, it's not just a billion dollars, right? I mean, if you're a right. 100 to 500 million yards, server, you can sit with your common size cohorts and and share share ideas back to you eric 
Yeah, that, that's right. So, you know, companies of different sizes have different challenges. So we've got programs, if, if you are or have revenue of $100 million or below, 100 million roughly to a billion and a billion and, and above. But, you know, those those roundtable conversations uh, are, are, are fantastic. And then we talk to the members of, you know, what, what's pressing, what, what's on their mind. Uh, and, you know, I think uh, back to one uh, during the pandemic, uh, as everyone was wondering, uh, the economy was changing overnight uh, and uh, employees are suddenly working from home. A lot of people are retreating uh, from, uh, from from the sector altogether. Uh, and billion dollar CEOs were trying to figure out, well, how, how can I staff the, these enormous enterprises that uh, that we have and, and, and the like? So we brought in Corn uh, uh, Ferry, their head of the distribution practice, uh, did a lot of studying across not only distribution, but manufacturing and others to figure out were these short term trends uh, or uh, might some of this have a long term uh, implication on, uh, on on our workforce? Brought the our, our CEOs together, uh, you know, had, uh, had time with that data with that leader from uh, from Corn Ferry, uh, and then they all shared their experiences of, of what they were trying to uh, retain and, and gain talent. Uh, you know, what new technologies they were deploying uh, to be able to accommodate some of the uh, the, the workforce shortages, and uh, and so we had you know those similar conversations at the at the hundred million dollar level and below as well. So that's an example of you know give you a hundred. Uh, where uh, big challenges are, are confronting our, our leaders, uh, and they come to us to figure out using their peers or using some world-class experts that we've got access to to help them think through well, what are the best strategies to mitigate those challenges and make sure that their company is positioned for success. Yeah, so uh, in your note to us as we prepared for this call, you pointed out that you know talent or the workforce, supply chain, and inflation are these inter interrelated issues. And we just did a survey of distributors to ask them what they would like to learn about. And those were the top three, right? It's talent, it's inflation and supply chain. And obviously you're saying, you're seeing the same thing. Um, and so NAW has certain things it can do in terms of, you know, providing data and training and providing knowledge and expertise. And there's also, there are also things you can do you know, on the policy front to try to get relief or help for the industry. Uh, can you sort of sum up, you know, what you guys are doing in those areas uh, and how you're approaching them? Sure. Well, you know, first I'll, I'll, I'll say, Ian, you know, there, there's a lot of reasons uh, that are, are leading to inflation and supply chain challenges, but but I, I think workforce, you know, really is at, at the core of it. I, I spend every week uh, traveling to meet uh, NAW members and great distribution companies uh, across the country. And, you know, one of the common threads is, you know, often uh, they're, they're located in maybe in industrial areas. And so in the last half mile, as, as I'm approaching uh, one of our, our member companies, you, know, you might drive by two or three distribution companies. Uh, you might drive by an Amazon warehouse and, and maybe a couple of manufacturers. And, and, and what, what's happening uh, is uh, our members, they pay great wages. They have incredible benefits. And, and, and you think about a lot of these workforces, uh, oftentimes they're generational, you know, multi-generations uh, have built their careers uh, at, at, at these great companies. Uh, but uh, but but what's happening now is uh, as wages are are, are going up, uh, that manufacturer across the street uh, suddenly all offers a dollar extra, uh, and uh, and and then uh, you know Amazon will top that and they'll you know pay for your kids' uh, you know, education. So people are hopping over to Amazon, and then you know another distribution company will have a sign-on bonus if, if you'll come over, and we'll match all you know some of those benefits, and and then you know for our members to to top that, then we got to do the same. And so there's a cycle uh, that that's yeah. happening in in every sector of 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 America, uh, and uh, as a result, you know it's it's good temporarily uh, for some of the, uh, the the folks that are earning a higher wage. But you know already, uh, you know the average uh, wage in, in in distribution is about twenty nine dollars for a non supervisory wage, uh, and so we're we're paying great wages, we're paying great great benefits already, and so the cost of that 
uh, not just the, the folks that are handling the material, but the, the truck drivers and, and, the, and the like, is now all being baked into the cost of the goods uh, that, that, that they're moving. And, uh, and so that's one of the major contributors and drivers uh, to, to what's happening with, uh, with inflation now. So, so Ian, your, your question about, well, how is NAW helping with that? Uh, you know, it's a complex challenge, and so we're doing it in, in a number of ways. Uh, the first is, uh, is through data. Uh, we just released a, a benchmarking study uh, that's focused on compensation, so our members can have a real sense of, you know, across all levels of distribution, not just in the warehouse, uh, what uh, what are the wages and benefits looking like, uh, depending on the size of the company you're at, uh, so you can have a good sense of how you're positioned against your competitors, both to help you retain talent and, and acquire talent. Uh, the, the second thing, as I had mentioned, is, uh, is uh, we, we had this idea of some people have surplus capacity, some people don't have enough capacity. And so through this uh, operational pooling, we're calling it, uh, is members are now getting together and some of them are seasonal, uh, where their warehouses are, are, are full at certain times of the year and, and, uh, and not so much at other times. Uh, and so uh, the members that need that capacity and the workforce that goes with that uh, to, to help uh, move, move some of their product uh, is, uh, is starting to really take off. And uh, we're looking at uh, sh uh, sharing some freight capacity as well, both in, in, in the trucking space and, and also uh, with, with container shipping. And so that's a, a real tangible, practical way that uh, we're helping members that you know, some, some have uh, some this surplus and some, some, some don't. Uh, and so that, that's really taken off and, and going well. Uh, and then there's an, another other ways that, uh, that, that, uh, that we're helping our members there, you know, as you mentioned, through the roundtable program, just talking through what, what are the policies, what are the procedures, what are the operations, what are the different approaches uh, that people are taking to dealing with, with inflation and, uh, and, and the like. So uh, through that, that conversation, the dialogue, and bringing in experts uh, to help our members work through that, uh, we're trying to tackle the problem from a 360 approach. Um, yeah, and by the way, if anybody on the call has a question, uh, please feel free to jump in and we'll pass it along to Eric. Um, on, on one condition, Ian, I, I, want, I want softballs only, just the easiest <laughs> questions possible. So. Yeah, someone will throw in, you know, what's the capital of some state, you know. Uh, oh, you should try to, Ian, I, I was one time on C-SPAN and there's a, a call-in show and people can call in and uh, somebody called in from Columbia and wanted to know what I thought about uh, the, the FARC rebels. Uh, and, uh, and and let me tell you, my knowledge of that was about that much. Uh, I gave it a good thirty seconds, and I pivoted to my main message. So I've I, I've had a few uh, curveballs in my day. You got it's it. About, you know, it's I'm... about that much more than me, by the way. Okay, was it? Okay, great, great. Let, let, let's not test that. Yeah. Um. So, uh, you but you're doing some policy work as well, some lobbying, right? Do yep. you want to go in and tell us, uh, you know, what what NAW is advocating for and and with whom? Oh, sure. So there, there's a, a, a number of things. And, you know, Ian, it's really important to, to remember from uh, NAW's per perspective is, you know, we're not a Republican organization. We're not a Democratic or organization. We're a pro-business organization. So we're, we're out there advocating for our members' interests. And, you know, a good example is uh, is uh, during the, the vaccine uh, mandate uh, is I was talking to our members and we're all very pro-vaccine. We're doing everything we could to help vaccinate our, our, our workforce and and get uh, get America healthy and, and, and back to work, but uh, you know ultimately that that mandate uh, was going to really impact uh, the, the the shortage of, of the workforce that we were, were just talking about. And so we engaged uh, you know, the White House and the CDC and HHS and, and, and others to try and uh, improve uh, the, the the mandate. And, and uh, ultimately, we're not successful. And so NAW helped originate the lawsuit that went to the Supreme Court. Uh, that, that that took away that mandate, uh, and so that that's an example of uh, real tangible uh, results that we've had for our members. Right now, you know, you know, I, I would I would flag four quick things that probably matter for the audience that uh, that that's tuned in. 
wind of, of things happening in Washington that, uh, that, that could impact you. Uh, the, the first I would say is if you're not following the rule uh, that's uh, going working its way through the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission right now, uh, is it, it's designed for publicly traded companies to have to uh, track and report all of the data in and around how their operations might impact the environment in any way. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, well, that doesn't impact me, I'm not a publicly traded company, uh, the rule goes further because those companies have to track any data from companies that it does business with. So if anything that, uh, that you move, any product that you move touches a publicly traded company anywhere on the supply chain, uh, they're going to be asking you uh, for that data so they can be in full compliance. And so what's going to happen is, uh, is uh, member companies, they're going to have to invest in lawyers and accountants and other people above and beyond that aren't core to the business uh, to right. be able to uh, uh, respond to these sort of requests. So NAW is working with the, the SEC right now uh, to uh, try and streamline uh, or, or stop that rule in, uh, in, in entirely. So that's uh, that, that's one example. Uh, another is is many of our members uh, sell uh, and, and work with a lot of their product on on Amazon as a platform. Uh, but one of the challenges we've seen over over the last several years is oftentimes a lot of a product that's selling really well, uh, and in a couple of months, a very similar product uh, which is made and produced by Amazon shows up uh, is often higher in the search results, is often regardless of the price that they put it at, is priced lower. Uh, and, uh, and so their sales plummet and Amazon's uh, sales go up. And, and we just don't think that's fair, uh, is to be able to take all of the data of our product and what's selling and then manufacture something and then put, put it on, on that marketplace. And so Senator Klobuchar, Democrat from uh, Minnesota, along with Senator Grassley in Iowa, a Republican there, have co-sponsored uh, some legislation uh, that would put a dividing line, an antitrust legislation, a dividing line between those uh, two parts of Amazon's business so they couldn't be sharing that data back and forth uh, it would uh, make, make a more even playing field uh, for our members who are using uh, that, uh, that that platform. Uh, there's also something coming from the Department of Labor, uh, the Wage and Hour Division. Uh, is they're now uh, they have a proposal that that says if you make eighty two thousand uh, dollars or less at uh, at any company in America, is you can no longer be a salaried employee. You got to punch a time clock. You know, think about the thousands of employees across distribution that you know they're going to feel like they're taking a big step back in their career. Yeah, yeah. You know, how many people are dedicating hour upon hour to, to take their career to the next level or help their country or their company succeed? Um, you know, suddenly there's going to be disincentives uh, for companies to pay you to work. Um, and, and to say nothing of those who want to advance their career by going to a seminar, some training, uh, you know, companies just aren't going to pay time and a half to put people on an airplane uh, and, and send them to improve their skills. So there, there's a lot of downsides uh, to, to that rule. And then the final thing I'll, I'll mention, Ian, is uh, the government likes to spend a lot of money. Uh, and, and to spend money, they got to get it someplace. And uh, there's a lot of a uh, lot, lot of bills out there that are, are tax our, our members, tax their suppliers, tax their 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 their, their customers, and uh, so taxes are, are on the mind of a lot of folks right now, especially leading up to the election. Uh, and so NAW's done an extraordinary work over the course of the last year to to stop those taxes. Uh, Congress is still in for uh, a couple of uh, more weeks before the session ends, before the next election. And so we're we're, we're going to continue that fight as well. So just a couple of the top hits of, of things that we're working on to, to continue to protect the industry. So, so I want to comment on that one about employees, you know, having be converted to hourly from uh salaried roles and having been a you know distribution manager and executive for many many years that's one of those well-intended pieces of legislation because there are no doubt people out there who are you know taking advantage of someone's salaried status to have them work too many hours but it's a tiny tiny fraction of the whole right and there are other mechanisms for dealing with that but to convert these people to hourly not only does it feel demeaning but 
it adds work and complexity because you have to have this whole timekeeping system now. You've got to track, you know, when they come and go. And that is that was never a good idea. But in this virtual world where many people work from home and they move in and out of their personal and work lives seamlessly, it, it, that's impossible to administer. And it's going to result in just an incredible amount of additional work for distributors that is not helpful in any way. And it's just such, it's just, it just shows the naivete and lack of business experience of the people who advocate for these things, because it's, it's almost impossible to implement well, and there's almost no upside and a whole lot of downside. So I'm glad that NAW is fighting it. Well, and, and, and yeah, I think one of the things you said that, that are really important is, you know, oftentimes the ideas are good ideas. You know, they're, they're, right. there's, a, there's a challenge that someone's identified and, and you know, let, let's go find a way to, to solve that challenge. But in so doing, uh, is uh, not only are they going to solve that challenge, but now they're going to create a thousand bigger challenges. Uh, and uh, and so if you don't really understand business or you don't really understand the ramifications of of, of what you know on on its face uh, is is meant to uh, to do good, uh, then uh, then then you're you're going to have problems across. In our case, uh, you know, a large section of the economy, and, and and that's our job is to tell that story, tell the story on behalf of uh, of the distribution industry, uh, so that we get laws and rules and regulations that that make sense. You're right. Exactly. Right. Eric, let's return to the discussion of supply chain. Of course, it's the rage, sure. um, not just in the NAW world, um, but all across the country. I think eight-year-olds know the term supply chain now. They do. What, what are you seeing that's happening? Where is it going? What do members need to do? Yeah, it's a great question, uh, and you know, we're, we're seeing a number of things. So, for example, you know, early in the pandemic, when uh, a lot of our members, if they were sourcing things from China, uh, you know, suddenly the Chinese government put a stop on on, on a lot of the uh, the shipments of things, and 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 since then, with uh, some of their their severe COVID lockdowns, you know, manufacturing and ports and other things, you know, have been grinding to the halt, uh, to the halt at, at, at intermediate uh, intervals. Uh, and so things are just backed up uh, all, all over. So a lot of our members have been working to uh, rebalance uh, their, their supply chains uh, in, internally, moving you know, some things to, to, to Vietnam and Malaysia and other places in Asia where it has to be sourced there. Uh, but also uh, I talked to a member uh, just yesterday who's opened up new facilities in Brazil uh, so that uh, the, the, uh, the, what they're distributing can come up through the, the port of Houston and, and moving as many things to America as possible, moving as many things to, to Canada and, uh, and Mexico as well. So I think we're seeing a, a movement and a shift uh, to the extent possible of, uh, of the supply chain, but but oftentimes those shifts come with with expenses, and and so that's one of the factors that I think that is uh, likely contributing uh, to to inflation. Uh, but, but I'll tell you one interesting thing, Jonathan, that that seems to be happening uh, now uh, is I've talked to a no number of members uh, who they shifted a lot of their uh, their activities outside of China, let's say to Vietnam, uh, and now Chinese companies are buying those companies in Vietnam uh, that they shifted the supply chain to. And so while geographically it's been moved and China is still ultimately controlling that. So I, I think that's gonna be an, an interesting uh, challenge uh, that, uh, that members are gonna be uh, working through for, 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 for a long time. Uh, but, but, but ultimately, uh, I think one of the best ways that, uh, that I'm seeing that members are, are managing through the supply chain, chain issues uh, is, uh, is through technology. 
um, you know, through artificial intelligence and predictive analytics uh, and, and the like, really trying to get a, a, a great understanding or better understanding of, of where the product is, how quickly it's moving, and, and more importantly, what's on the demand side? What do their customers need and when do they need it? Uh, and how can they most efficiently uh, move, move that product through the supply chain to, to, to their customers? And so we're seeing uh, much more automation. Uh, you know, I think the, the pandemic uh, has really accelerated that. Uh, as, uh, as members are, are taking a step to what used to be the future, now, now in many cases is, is very common to practice. So one, one of the things that Ian and I have seen um, in our consulting and just in talking to the industry is record profits for a lot of these distributors, right? And so there's this concern about, well, when is the dance or the party going to end and what is that going to look like, right? We've, we've got these record profits, but what's going to happen when the inflation slows down, what's going to happen when supply chain uh, stabilizes? Do you, do you have visibility or thoughts into that? Well, well, absolutely. And But one thing I'll, I'll say first, Jonathan, is you know because a lot of distribution companies are, are, are having uh, record profits, it, it, it's due primarily to the volume of what, what they're moving. Uh, but uh, you know, you hear in Washington and, and in some other quarters, well, well, if wholesalers would just lower their prices, uh, then then we could get uh, in inflation uh, un uh, under wraps. Uh, but uh, but but we we've been working with uh, with Alan Bolio, who I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with, who's been studying the, the economics of distribution for a long time. And 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 the average uh, the average margin uh, for for a distributor before the pandemic was two percent, uh, and the average margin for a distributor after the pandemic is 2%. Uh, and so while things are costing more, it's not because uh, distributors have decided, well, let, let, let's up these margins and, uh, and, and roll the good times. It's because demand is so much higher and, uh, and they're moving more, more volume through, more, more, more product through. But, uh, but there's no evidence uh, whatsoever uh, of uh, any sort of uh, profit gouging uh, or, or anything uh, of that nature. In fact, I'll say I'm talking to a number of members now that we're uh, through the, the second quarter. Uh, and one of the things that they're doing is they're giving back to their employees. Uh, they know their their frontline employees making under uh, eighty thousand uh, dollars in in a couple of cases. Um, they're struggling at the grocery store uh, and at the gas pump, just like everybody else. And so while they normally would do um, uh, merit increases uh, once a year, uh, I'm hearing from a num number of, of companies that are, are now doing it twice a year. And so they're they're uh, raising wages for those people at $80,000 or below uh, now midway through the year and are planning uh, to do the, the, the normal cycle because they want to help them uh, to be able to, to thrive and, and, and survive uh, in, uh, in in this economy. So as you, as you look at, uh, at supply chain, we're stay, staring a, a recession in, in the face. Uh, as you know, in distribution, cash is king. Uh, and so I, I think uh, you know a lot of members are going to be looking to make sure that, that their balance sheets are strong, uh, and, uh, and 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 to the extent they can uh, to uh, weatherproof their businesses now, uh, while uh, while the uh, while the economy uh, has been doing well and while distribution is doing well. So there's there's a number of things I think members are doing the steps that they're, they're taking now to prepare for that. Uh, but, but demand's going to come down. You know, oftentimes uh, I heard from a number of our companies they would plan for maybe a, a two or three percent increase uh, through the pandemic. They were seeing you know fifteen or twenty percent increases. Uh, you know that can't be sustained forever, uh, and uh, and so when we see uh, a slackening off, it's probably going to be returning more to a new normal, probably elevated above uh, pre pre pandemic. Uh, but we're not going to see growth like, like we've seen like that. It was just uh, it was distorted and probably artificial as a result of the pandemic and. And frankly, so much money that was being shoveled into the economy coming out of Washington. I wonder if there's going to be an inventory overhang. Yeah, I, I would say, uh, uh, Jonathan, it probably depends on uh, on one, what part of the economy you're, you're in. 
Uh, you know, so for for example, uh, we've got the one distributor I was talking with recently. Uh, they, uh, they they distribute motors for your boats, uh, and you know, throughout most of the pandemic, there was just a massive shortage of just propellers. Uh, and uh, so, and 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 the demand of you know, people were staying at home, and you know, they wanted to be out on the water if they had 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 access to that. And so, you had a shortage combined with uh, with, with with a surge in demand. You know, they're not even back to normal yet. Uh, and so I think there's going to be some some sections of uh, of distribution and, and sectors of the economy where uh, you know they're they're going to use that opportunity, Jonathan, probably to catch up. Uh, but but certainly uh, there, there may be be, be uh, some surplus here or there. You know there, there was a, a a couple of moments there where members had really stocked up on PPE uh, masks in particular, and uh, and all of a sudden the world stopped wearing masks uh, and people had warehouses full of it and warehouses full of sanitizer that was was going to uh, that was going to evaporate. Uh, but you know members got creative uh, even with that PPE, uh, started donating it to, to charities and causes and things that, that were helpful and, uh, and, and started uh, you know, ma- managing the inventory to the extent that they could. And so I, I suspect that, uh, that, that our members are pretty sophisticated. They got a good, good sense of, uh, of where their inventory levels are, are uh, and, and are managing that, to that right now. Yeah, we had a uh, supply chain professor that did a webinar with us a couple of months ago. Um, and there is a lot of artificial demand in the system because people are placing multiple orders. This comes from the end buyer to the yep. manufacturing plant. Um, and we do think it's important that distributors keep an eye on that demand pattern because, you know, there's a, there's a potential cash flow issue if all those orders get fulfilled in a short period of time. Uh, well, in, in that point, you know, I think a lot of it uh, comes down to how well do you know your customers? Uh, yeah, and, right. you, you know, so throughout the, the pandemic, you know, one of the big challenges was uh, not only serving your customers uh, that uh, you'd had for a long time, but suddenly a bunch of new people were popping up uh, and, right. and they, they needed supply. And to your point, they were probably ordering from multiple places. Maybe you're still doing doing that practice. And and so I think as you know, using some of those advanced analytics, you can kind of spot some of those things, especially the trends over, over the pandemic, but really knowing your customers and understanding that uh, and, uh, and, and working most closely with those that you've had, uh, those, those longtime relationships or new customers that uh, that you built relationships with uh, through the pandemic that, that you expect to uh, be great customers for, for a long time. I, I think, you know, if they know them well, uh, they're going to be able to work through some of those challenges. Uh, but I think it's a lot of people that are just trying to get something quick, uh, that they're new coming in, into the system that you're right. Uh, it's no question they're ordering in multiple places. Uh, I think most NAW members uh, have, have a pretty good handle on that. Uh, but, uh, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see as, uh, as some of them are reporting results uh, or, or, or we see how they are their performance is here over the next couple of quarters. What, what have you found surprising or unexpected as you've made these visits? It must be incredibly informative, but what have you found surprising? Well, you know, it, it, it's so fantastic. You know, first of all, uh, you know, distributors just by large are fantastic people. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, uh, you know, one w- one one thing I would say is, you know, I, I visited a distributor down down in Texas, and uh, and and I walked in uh, to the lobby, and they had this huge wall. Of, uh, of photos of their employees. And uh, there's a big sign on the wall that said it was the American Dream Wall. And they had, uh, they had over 200 employees. They asked everybody what their American Dream was. And, and on that photo, uh, you know, they, they wrote it down. Uh, and it was everything from, you know, get to every national park to you know, put my kids through college to, uh, you know, just, just a number of, of, of incredible dreams. Uh, and there are big check marks as, as people had, had done that. And, and this company, as, uh, as it's uh, been, been working with, uh, with, with, with these, uh, these employees, uh, you know, are, are offering, you know, financial uh, advice uh, on how did they invest uh, some of the profits that are shared or, uh, or using their, their 401k plans and, and, and like to build wealth. Uh, and so, but to see the focus of that company was so much on 
helping their employees achieve the American dream. You know, it, it's the sort of thing that, uh, that you see in distribution all over the country. And so I, I think a real care and a real attention to, uh, to, to employees in the workforce, and, and not just because we're having a workforce shortage issue now. Uh, it, it's clearly something that's been really evident and ingrained in, in, in the company of uh, culture, rather, of distribution companies uh, all, all across the country. And, and then you know, I, I'm not a, a technologist expert, uh, but but I love walking into warehouses and seeing the, the cool things that, uh, that that are happening. I I was visiting one in in California a couple of weeks ago, and uh, and they were uh, preparing for when California allows driverless trucks on the road. Uh, and California's got a um, a process in place. It's a three stage process, uh, and this company wants to be the first to be able to put their trucks on on the road in a driverless way. And so they passed the first two stages of what California uh, has them do. And uh, the, the third stage hasn't been greenlit yet, but once they do, uh, they're, they're gonna dive right in. And so watching all of the different things they're preparing to qualify uh, and, and, and pass the, the exams from the state of California to be ready to do that uh, was really neat as, uh, as you think about some of the driver shortage issues that, uh, that we're seeing, uh, whether driverless uh, transportation is, is a thing in the future. Uh, we'll probably see it first in California. Uh, and, and, you know, I was in another distribution center just a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, I heard this buzzing sound, and I looked up, uh, and uh, there were drones there taking inventory, you know, kind of going up oh, and down wow. and, and sideways and all, all the stacks, uh, given, uh, given real-time updates of, of, uh, of what was in and what was out. And so there's just so many fun technologies that you're seeing uh, uh, companies uh, employ, and not just at the billion-dollar level, but at, uh, at, uh, at the uh, $500 million level as well. Is uh, I think uh, companies are really taking a step forward on, on automating advancing as many processes as they can uh, to make sure they're competitive going into the future. It's really exciting. We, we did a session a couple weeks back with Bench Cohen, whom I know you're familiar with. On yep, love Bench. Where Proton AI, companies. great company. Yeah. Proton AI, right? Yeah. Um, we, we did a session a couple weeks back on where these technologies are starting to play, and it, it is exciting. I mean, they, they are at that sort of innovator stage, not even quite early adopter, but you're right. It is, it is starting to happen. We're going to see driverless delivery, not just for your pizza from Domino's, but for your your distribution product in a B two B setting, and and one thing that we're trying to do that to help with that is you know if you look across uh, innovation uh, you know Silicon Valley and Austin and Nashville and some of these other in innovation hubs you know we're, we're constantly seeing stuff uh, you know related to the gig economy people are trying to invite in, you know invent a, a better Uber or a better Facebook or you know something along those lines. When you take a step back and, and recognize that distribution accounts for a third of the American economy, it's really shocking how little innovation and, and investment is going into the future of distribution. And, and so that's one of those things, as I mentioned, that uh, NAW likes to bring uh, companies together to do big things as an industry that maybe they can't do on their own. And so we've launched a, a working group uh, that's uh, centered around uh, tech innovation. Uh, and looking at what are some of those challenges that uh, that our companies have been trying to solve uh, on their own, uh, and can we pull together, band together, uh, and uh, and work with the think tanks, work with startups, uh, and, and and others to help accelerate some of that innovation that we can bring in, not just to help uh, th those companies, but but companies across uh, distribution. And and so it's one of the reasons I'm really excited about the partnership uh, that that we have uh, with you guys uh, for our Innovator Summer Summit uh, that we have uh, coming up uh, th th this fall. Oh, look at this! He's even got a screen already for it. Uh, so our Innovator <laughs> Summit is, is coming up. And, and, and you, you guys should tell us all about it, but we're partnering with Applico as well. 
Uh, it's for uh, uh, distribution companies that are $250 million or above in revenue. Uh, so they've got some resources to in invest in, in innovation. Uh, we've invited the CEOs of these companies, but also whoever uh, is leading an executive uh, in, in that innovation space uh, to, to come along. And, uh, and we are inviting some of, uh, of, of the best uh, startups uh, that uh, are, are, are innovating in and around this space. And so it's gonna be a great opportunity to see what's ahead, uh, to meet some of those, uh, those innovators, see if there's a way that uh, you can collaborate and partner with them uh, and, and bring some of their ideas uh, in, in, into your business. So uh, Ian and Jonathan, you, sh you should uh, hop in and, and tell more, but uh, what wanted the audience to know uh, that this is coming up. We'd love to, love to see them there in October. Yeah, so for our podcast listeners, I brought up a screen uh, that shows uh, information about our upcoming Innovators Summit. And Eric, to give credit where credit's due, your own Trish Lilly sent this to me this morning in preparation. Oh, she did. I'm glad, glad to hear that. Of course it, she did. It was her idea. So I don't want to take credit for it, but it came in very handy. And so uh, it's November 2nd through 4th uh, of this year in Chicago at the Sheridan Suites in Rosemont. Uh, it's co-sponsored by NAW Applico, which is one of the leaders in technology thinking across a number of industries, including distribution, and us at Distribution Strategy Group. And so as Eric said, it's for the leadership, the thought leaders of distributors of $250 million and above. We're gonna have a couple of dozen uh, technology startups who are going to do presentations about what they're developing. Right, and there's an opportunity for distributors to schedule one-on-one -on -one meetings with these technology companies at the event. Now, if you've ever been to some kind of you know VC startup uh, event in Silicon Valley, this is structured very similarly. But distributors have not been involved in developing this kind of innovation and getting this direct exposure to these fantastic technologies. I've been to one of those. It's absolutely fascinating to see what these people are, do, are doing. It, it's mind blowing. And if you have any interest in where the future of technology is going and how your company can benefit from it, then we strongly encourage you uh, to attend the Innovators Summit. Uh, you can reach out to me and I'll send you some information. There is a landing page on NAW about it now. Um, and uh, But we're delighted to partner with you on this, Eric. I don't know if you wanna add anything to that description. Uh, the only thing I, I would add is is I've uh, done uh, summits like this in, in the past with past groups I, I've worked uh, worked with and uh, and and what uh, what you're going to come away with uh, is is really a sense of of the future but 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 beyond that is uh, you're going to come away with uh, real tangible partnerships and 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 avenues to bring that innovation that you've been thinking about that you've been looking for uh, to bring to your your company and that, that that's what uh, we do at NAW working with great partners uh, like Distribution Strategy Group and and, and Applico so I think it's going to be fantastic uh, it's, yeah, I, I mentioned October you're right it's in November uh, the second start in the second November and so love to see everybody there what I would add is that if we look at this discussion today, talking about talent management, supply chain, et cetera, the use of automation is actually part of the key to dealing with the talent shortage. Absolutely. I mean, if you if you can get more automation in the warehouse, you can get more automation between the warehouse and the, the customer, um, that's part of how we respond to the talent shortage. And, and and it's automation, but but beyond that is uh, is you know a number of companies that are sitting listening uh, today, and and a lot of NAW members are thinking about is expanding uh, their footprint as as they're thinking about uh, you know how do we expand, how do we increase our our, our warehouse uh, ca capacity is uh, as they're thinking about that future for that digital automation the automation 
warehouses are being designed differently uh, than they were five, 10 years ago to be able to accommodate that. And so, you know, it, it factors in as, as you back up from I've got workforce issues to I want to make sure I'm automating, uh, you know, then it goes in, in, into your uh, uh, planning for, for your building, it goes in your planning for, for the property that uh, that you need. And so it affects so many decisions uh, that uh, throughout the business. Uh, so a lot, a lot of things are changing. There's a lot of variables, a lot of factors. And, and Jonathan, that's one of the reasons why a lot of uh, our members tell us that, you know, it, it's a competitive advantage to be a member of NAW uh, because they can have those conversations with experts or with companies uh, that, uh, that that have been there before that uh, have recently done this and, and can save them probably a lot of time, a lot of energy, and a couple of mistakes along the way. Uh, do you have time for one more question, Eric, before we wrap sure, up? Sure, let's do it. Okay. So you mentioned this earlier when you were when you visit distributors. Distributors are great employers. Distribution jobs are great jobs. And as you mentioned, it's almost a third of GDP. So this is massive industry with great jobs and great companies to work for. And yet it doesn't have the visibility and awareness that it should have. And I know that's of concern to you and an opportunity as well, because I've, I've heard you mention it before. What can distributors do? The people on this call and us at Distribution Strategy Group, your partners at NEW, what can we do to get the word out so that more people are aware of these jobs and it would help our labor pool, but it also will serve those employees well because they'll be working for great companies. Yeah, that's a great question, Ian. In fact, it's one of the things that NAW is working on uh, uh, every day. We've got a campaign we call Distributors Deliver, uh, so uh, check that out. Uh, and what we're doing every day is we're telling the stories of, of distribution companies and the industry and, and all the things that they're doing to, to help the country. You know, we, we started initially with the, the response to the pandemic uh, and what all of you were doing uh, to protect your employees but help uh, make sure that food stayed on the shelves and medicine got where it needed to go and plastic shields showed up everywhere and hospitals had enough oxygen and sanitizer and masks. You know, everything that, that we did was, was being showcased. Uh, and as we now move through the supply chain challenges that we've been talking about and, and inflation and, and the like, uh, how we're making sure that the American economy continues to move. There's so many incredible stories to, to tell. Uh, and so we're doing that through Distributors Deliver. And, and the reason why, why that's important, Ian, um, is because we want uh, the country to know not only uh, what, what this industry does, but, but we want the best talent in the world uh, to come and, and, and work for distribution companies. And so they got to know who we are and, uh, and, and why we matter. But, but I'll tell you some good news. Uh, is, is someone who does uh, public relations uh, for, for part of my, my role, is the hardest part about public relations is to get people to pay attention in the first place. Uh, so you got, you got to spend a lot of money or a lot of effort and jump up and down to get them to pay attention. And then you can start telling them the story that you want to tell them. Uh, for us, people are talking about distribution. People are talking about the supply chain e every day. And I was at uh, a coffee shop the other day, and, and I ordered a, a small tea. And the guy uh, you know, gave me a small amount of tea in a huge cup. Uh, and uh, probably an 18-year-old kid, he, he shrugged his shoulders and said, supply chain. You know, every, <laughs> everybody's talking about it. Uh, and right. so w when they're talking about it, they're focused about it, they're thinking about it. This is our moment to tell that story because yeah. they're they're paying attention. Uh, and, and and if we do, we're going to attract those, those innovators who might want to go to Google. They want to come out and figure out, well, what's the great algorithm that's going to ensure uh, that we're being most responsive uh, to, to our customer needs? As, as we're looking for great yeah. marketing folks uh, to be able to uh, talk about our, our products and, and, and these companies working with the best HR professionals uh, to figure out how do we build out uh, our, our workforce. You know, across all aspects of business, uh, people, their first thought is not to come to a distribution company very often. Uh, and so we're 
gonna we're gonna change that narrative. We're gonna tell that story. And and what I think it's gonna do, Ian, is it's gonna pay dividends for decades to come as we attract some of the best talent in America. So I'm really looking forward to helping lead the charge on, on that topic as well. That's a great answer, Eric. Thanks so much. It's really been uh, great working with you. Your your energy and uh, ideas are are great for the industry, and I really appreciate the work that you're putting in. Well, um, you're you're welcome, and I re- really appreciate the invite. Uh, and and for anyone, if this is your first time listening, you got to listen every single week uh, because <laughs> this is one of the best podcasts in America. I love it. Oh, thank you, Eric. That that means means a lot to us. So we will tell you about a couple of upcoming events quickly. On August third, we're doing the real ROI of e-commerce for distributors. We have a different message on e-commerce than anybody else that I've heard. Isn't that fair, Jonathan? Absolutely. Right. And this is real analysis to figure out that even when a small amount of revenue is going through your shopping cart, e-commerce is actually driving a whole bunch of your revenue because people are spending a lot of time getting value and shopping on your site, even if they're not placing the order for the shopping cart. So you're not going to want to miss that. That's brought to you by Unilog. Then on August 17th, Jeff McClendon uh, will be our host. That's brought to you by Epicor. Uh, we did put your email address down there, Eric, for you podcast listeners. It's ehoplin, E-H-O-P-L-I-N, at naw.org. You can reach me at iheller at distributionstrategy.com or Jonathan Bine at jbine at distributionstrategy.com. Eric, again, thank you, my friend. Look forward to the next time we talk, and thanks for coming with the, coming on the show today. It's been a great conversation. My pleasure. Thanks. I'd be glad to be back anytime. All right. Great. All right, everyone, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, Thanks for listening to this episode of Wholesale Change. Bye now.